0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 18 on how God wanted to give Sodom and Gomorrah one last chance to see if they will repent, just as God gave Nineveh one last chance to see if they would repent. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org, or you can search iTunes.com and find the Friendship with God podcast Again, at iTunes.com. Now, we get many calls and many emails from people who really enjoy the Friendship with God radio program and Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. We want to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program so that we can continue broadcasting on your station in your city. So we need your listenership, but also your financial support and donations here at the Friendship with God radio program. If you'd like to donate to continue this radio program, broadcasting on your station, your city, you can do so by going to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendship with God, you can donate online and you can set that up to be a monthly reoccurring donation or just a one-time donation. And you can also do that by calling us directly now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. You can also uh, go online to friendshipwithgod.org. We have an online bookstore and resource center, including creation books and creation materials, because Tom Cantor owns and operates the original Creation Museum, the first one, which is here in Santee, California, called the Creation and Earth History Museum. You can find out more information about that by going to creationsd.org. Creationsd.org. So, again, if you'd like to donate or find out more information about the Creation Museum or the Friendship with God radio program, Give us a call today at 800-247-3051. Here's Tom Cantor teaching us how God wanted to give Sodom and Gomorrah one last
1: chance. And then in this argument or question or debate, there's a justification for revealing to Abraham what God is about to do. And he said, look, Abraham, he's going to become a great and mighty nation. We need to show him. Because all the nations of the world are going to be blessed in Abraham, which refers to the Lord Jesus Christ coming as a man through the line of Abraham. He says, because of that, we should show him. We shouldn't hide this from him. We should reveal it. And third, because God says, we know Abraham. He's going to be very serious when it comes to his household. He's going to seriously rule his house. His house is going to honor God. They may not honor God when they leave his house, but in his house, they're going to honor God. And then God says, that just opens up the door for God to bring to Abraham the promises that he'd made to Abraham. That's what it means that the Lord might bring upon Abraham. So at the end of verse 19, the question has been asked, the question's been answered about whether or not to reveal to Abraham what he's going to do. And now, since the question's been asked and answered, in verse 20... Okay, here it is. And now we're going to open up the envelope. You know, God says, we'll open it up and, and we'll read it to Abraham in verse 20. And it reads, this is it, Abraham, because there's a cry. You can't hear it. Nobody can hear it on earth, but I can hear it. And there is a cry. And this cry, Abraham, is coming from two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham, I'm going to reveal to you that this cry is great. And this cry is great no one on earth can hear but me. But this cry is great, and then he says, because there's sin. And there's something about their sin, Abraham. Their sin is grievous. And it's not just grievous, it's very grievous. That was the revelation. That was what was in the envelope. So again, from verse 20, we see that one of those visitors, again, he looks like a man, but he's not really a man. He's, verse 20, the one who's speaking to Abraham. We read, and the Lord said... And so now Abraham understands very clearly. He's got his eyes fixed goes, that one person there, that's God. That's really the Lord. He looks like a man, but he's really the Lord. We know who that is. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God reveals to Abraham that there's a cry that the earth doesn't hear, but God hears it. It's called the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah. The cry is great. And that's kind of interesting for us because we ask ourselves the question, how could there be such a loud cry and nobody on earth hears it, but God hears it? But it's true. It doesn't change the fact. It's true. The cry of Sodom and Gomorrah was great. And so at the end of verse 21, God explains what the cry was all about with the word grievous, very grievous. It reminds us about when the flood destruction happened on the earth. In Genesis 6.6, 6, we read something very similar to that when we studied that, where God says, I wished I hadn't done it. He says, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart is what it says. The sin of man put a great frown on the face of God. And it made God sit there and think and consider and say to himself, I wish I hadn't made man. I just wished I hadn't done it. And the words that God used at that time was that it grieved him in his heart. It was like a knife in his heart. It was a heartache, a very serious heartache, a very serious heart grief for God. So here in verse 20, when we read that God says their sin is very grievous, it's very, very uh, disturbing. So God says to Abraham that, in verse 21, God says to Abraham that he is personally going to uh, see for himself. He's going to look firsthand, and he's going to see, is it really as he's hearing from the terrible cry, he says in verse 21, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me, and if not, I'll know. Now, what is the cry that God heard? What is the cry that God heard? What was was the cry saying? You know, the first time we read about a cry coming up to God in his ears was in Genesis 4.10. You remember, after Cain killed his brother Abel. And then he distanced himself. God said, you know, where's Abel? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is, no, you're your brother's brother. But he distanced himself. But when God asked Cain what he'd done it he said in Genesis four ten, and he said what hast thou done the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground oh so Cain murdered Abel and he thought that all finished it's all done and probably Cain buried Abel out of his hand he made a grave plot couldn't see so distinguishable I'm sure he didn't put a cross on it but anyway and <laughs> and he thought it's all finished now but Cain could stop the sight of the bloodied up brother Abel from his eyes, but he could not stop the cry of Abel's blood into the ears of God. And God described it as the voice. God said, the voice of Abel's blood. And he said, the voice he heard, it was a loud voice. It was a clear voice. It was Abel's blood, and it was crying out from the ground into the ears of God. And the voice was crying for judgment. The voice was crying for justification. You know, justification is a word that has to do with balancing the balance, of the books. You know, you justify the ledger. You know, justify the books. He says, "Look, there's a." God said in Genesis nine six, "Whoso sheddeth man's blood, boom, on this side of the balance, right." By man shall his blood be shed. So we have a justification. They used to say that, and you look in the old English dictionaries in Scotland, and it says there that they give an example for justified, and it said, and the murderer was justified. And you think, oh, he walked away free. No, he was killed. That's what it meant. He was justified. In other words, the balance came back. So there's this cry, and it's very sobering. The sins that cry out into the ears of God. And it means our sins, in this case, Sodom and Gomorrah was homosexuality. It means that our sins cry out to God, and they cry out for judgment. And we have a lot of sins that are crying out, and therefore, there's like a cacophony of cries for each one of the sins, for each one of us. It's crying out to God for judgment. And the great power that's in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is that it silences all those cries. It just silences them. All those cries. That's the wonder of it all. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ silences all the cries of judgment because of our sin because the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ also speaks. It also speaks. And as it speaks, it silences all the other cries of sin because it speaks louder than the cries of all the sins. As it says in Hebrews 12, 24, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. This is a finality when the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ speaks. There's a finality to that voice because it stops the voice of our sins. As It says in Hebrews 10.10, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it speaks, it has a purging effect. It says in Hebrews nine fourteen, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It speaks with an authority. The blood of Jesus Christ speaks with an authority against all the voices that bar us from entering to God's presence. When it speaks... Hebrews 10, 19 comes into effect that we have therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus. So now we notice in verse 21 how God says that he will go down now. That's what he says in verse 21. And from those words we can see how the Lord Jesus Christ is the judge, he's the judge of all men. He said that in John five twenty two. for the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So when in verse twenty one the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will go down now and see, this is the voice of the judge. This is the voice of the judge who doesn't need witnesses because he's going to go down now and see for himself. He's getting first hand information. Once in England there was a man who had committed a crime, and he was brought before the judge. And there was no question about it, the man was guilty. But when he came into the courtroom, the guilty man was so happy because he saw the judge, and he realized they were old childhood friends. They were good buddies. And so the guilty man asked the court, he says, you know, based on our past friendship, would the judge show mercy to him and forgive him of his crime? But the judge showed no mercy to him at all and sentenced him to either pay the fine which he couldn't afford or serve time in jail and so the guilty man was being marched off and at that moment the judge did something wonderful took off his robe stepped down from the bar got out his wallet and he paid the fine and he said john you're coming home with me for dinner tonight that's a picture of the lord jesus christ he's the judge he's also the one who pays the fine He's the judge. He's the judge who made himself of no reputation, took off his robes, that he could step down from his glory and pay our fine, which was the death of himself on the cross, so he could be freed. Now, the word now in verse 21 is very important, where it says, I will go down now and see. Because that word now shows the urgency of it all. It's really a matter of now in that verse. And it reminds us how the Lord Jesus Christ he waited for just the right time, the now time, to come to earth to die for the sins of man at the right time. And that now time was described in Galatians 4.4 when it calls it the fullness of time. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son, sent forth his son, made of a woman made under the law. So you can picture that like a parachutist, you know, sitting in there he's ready to jump and he's waiting for the cry now jump and the lord jesus christ waited for god the father to say now as described as the fullness of time and then god sent him forth sent forth his son that's galatians 4 4 but god communicated this to abraham and when he did with this word now he was communicating to abraham this sense of urgency with the word now. You know, I will go down now. And when Abraham heard God say now, Abraham also got infected with this sense of urgency of it all. And Abraham sprung into action. We've already seen how this 100-year-old man really can spring into action, remember the big feast. But here he's springing into action again. And you know, there's a lesson in that for us. The closer a person gets to God, The more he will hear God say, now, and the more he will be infected with this feeling of the sense of urgency. Now, we don't have manana. We don't have tomorrow. It's now. And when the lost draw close to God, God's now sense of urgency infects them. And that's what it means in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, where it says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. And in Romans 13.11, when it says, Knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake up, to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer. So when the lost draw near to God, they get infected with this now sense. They know the time. They know that the time of their life is the only time that they're going to have to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as a repentant sinner and be saved. They know what Job was saying in Job 16.22 when Job said, when a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. See what Job said? He, He talks about the rest of his life as a few years. That's really what they are. Let's face it. It's just a few years. And Job says, when a few years have come, I'm going and when the saved draw close to God, they feel God's now sense of urgency, as Abraham did. And they get on God's page of concern that time's running out. And they pray with a red-hot fervency for others, like Abraham did. And they feel that sense of urgency, and they think about the loss, and they think, I've got to do something. I'm going to sit down now and write a letter. I'm going to pick up the phone now and make a phone call. I'm going to jump in the car now and go reach that lost person that God's put on my heart with the gospel. Now, verse 21, God went on in verse 21 to say the purpose of his mission to Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was this, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I'll know it. I will know, it says. So, on first blush, on first look, and when we read that God wants to see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of which is coming to me and so he can know at first blush first look we say what you know, god needs to see what that can't mean what it seems to say on the surface i mean on the surface you read this verse and it appears like you know god is saying something i need to go down and see for myself i can't see very well from heaven <laughs> you know he's saying say, you know the distance is too far My eyeglass prescription is out of date. I haven't been to the optometrist lately. I can't see from heaven, you know. Or I'm getting these cry messages, and I can't trust them. Something might be wrong with the connections. (laughs) False alarms, you know, God might say. It's false alarms. I have trouble up here in heaven with a lot of false alarms, and I need to go check it out for myself. Obviously, (laughs) that's not what God is saying in verse 21. It can't be talking about God's failing eyesight, and it can't be talking about false alarms when we're talking about God that require him to go down and check it out for himself. I mean, because we know God's omniscient. He knows everything. So what do you mean he have got, got to go down and see, to know? So he's not saying that he needs to go out and find out something for himself firsthand because he can't trust those unreliable angels. <laughs> can't get good help these days. Well, then what in the world is verse 21 talking about? If it's not talking about that, then what is it talking about when God says, I've got to go down and see for myself and to know whether these things are true? Well, we know God knows with perfect accuracy that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah are as bad as the cries that come to him say they are. So what's God talking about when he says, I'll go down now and see? Is it that God wants to give Sodom and Gomorrah one last chance? He wants to give them one last chance to see if they'll repent. That's what this is all about. You know, God gave to Nineveh one last chance to see if they would repent So he sends Jonah. Jonah had a little trouble uh, agreeing to the mission, but he finally came around. You know, he had to take a swim over it. But anyway, in Jonah 3, 4, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. It's a big city. And he cried and said, here is his message of hope, (laughs) yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. At 40 days, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. That's all he said. And he enjoyed it (laughs) because he wanted to see that happen, right? But when God sent Jonah to cry to the city of their impending destruction, just as he was sending these men to Sodom of their impending destruction, God was seeing whether or not they would repent. And God found out. And it's very interesting when you read about that passage, how it parallels this one in Genesis, in Jonah 3, 5 through 10, because it says, so the people, you know, first started off, John made the message. You're going to be destroyed. Then it says, the next verse, so the people of Nineveh believed God. Believed God about what? That he has a wonderful plan for your life? He's you know, going to save you from your sins? No. They believed that God was going to destroy them in 40 days. And they proclaimed a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose off from off his throne. He laid his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. You know, these Ninevites were not nice people. They were not nice people. What they loved to do, they loved to take Jews, skin them alive, and then put the Jews' skin on them and taunt the bleeding pulp of the man as he's dying. So those are the Ninevites, you know. So Jonah's not real excited about them not being destroyed. He's very excited about saying, you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. But there was a response on the part of the Ninevites. And it says, the king says in verse 7, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sacrifice and cry mightily unto God. And let them turn away everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. See, very violent people. Who could tell the king said this of Nineveh? The king was a who-can-tell message. You know, Jonah was a you-will-be-destroyed message. The king was, who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Then in verse 10, it says something very similar to Genesis 18 because it says, And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. See, just like he said, I want to go see Sodom. What does he want to go see? He wants to see that when they come to destroy the city, if there's going to be the Nineveh response. That's what he wants to see. And that's what he wants to see in every lost person too. He stands back and he says, what's your response? What's your response to the fact that you're going right down the middle of the road to hell? Will you cry unto me for mercy? And God is merciful. And he wanted to see that. And when he sent Jonah to Nineveh, it was, it was whether or not, when confronted with the judgment is coming message, the Ninevites would continue in their sin, or whether they would repent. And they repented. And when it says in Jonah 3.10, God saw their works, that's what God was looking for. He wanted to see that, and he saw it. In the same way, what God said to Abraham, I'll go down now and see, God is looking for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, see if they're going to turn. Why did God want to do that? Why did God want to see that? Why was God looking for repentance just before he planned this planned destruction of Nineveh? Why did God want to find, see if there was this repentance just before he planned the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? Because if the, is who God is, who is God in 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And especially just before the destruction, God's interested in this last minute opportunity this repentance and conversion for a sinner to come to the lord jesus christ it just kind of seems sometimes i don't know if you ever noticed this before It almost seems built in the body sometimes you see it this is not uncommon to observe that just before a person dies that they will rally and you think oh they're going to recover no, they're not they're not going to recover. they're going to die but they rally and they seem to get this unusual alertness and they seem to have this unusual ability to understand and to communicate what's that That's God wanting to see if there is any last minute turning to him for salvation before the final appointment with death described in Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this a judgment. So once death comes, books are closed. That's it. And the opportunity to come to the Lord Jesus Christ for life and salvation is gone. Gone. And God knows this. So he gives one last chance, one last opportunity. He personally takes the interest to say, I'll go down and see myself. Now, we come to verse 22. There's a lot of significance. You've got to follow the movements. We've got to follow the movements in verse 22 to see what's going on. There's a lot of significant movements of person that start now in verse 22. The men turned their faces from thence, went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Abraham has just understood that it's time for the last chance, as we've been talking about, for Sodom and Gomorrah, and there's a tension in the air. It's not comfortable here in this meeting. There's tense, and Abraham has come to understand that one of the men is God, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, at first, Abraham is facing all the men, God being one of them. And during the time, one, the Lord speaks alone to Abraham. He gives, he opens the envelope, reveals to Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It's imminent.
0: Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program. And we shared this testimony with you on Monday's beginning of the program. We wanted to share this testimony again with you regarding the Summer Blitz. Just two weeks ago, one of our Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries, named Allison, was able to knock a door in a Jewish community. Of course, that door didn't have a mezuzah or anything indicating that a Jewish person lived there. But she knocked and talked to a Jewish woman that was there, and her husband wasn't home at the time. But she introduced herself and asked her if she was of Jewish heritage. She indicated that she was and her husband. And she gave them a free gift from Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor, his life story on DVD and in a booklet form. And, of course, the FAQ booklet and Prophecy and Fulfillments so that she could understand Jesus was the Messiah. And the missionary Allison went over that information with her, and she was amazed at the receptivity that the Holy Spirit had been working on the heart of this Jewish woman. So Allison, our IRM missionary, went over the prophecies and fulfillments and went over the Old Testament verses on sin and how it separates us from God and, of course, shared the New Testament verses with her and talked about her condition of sin and her need for a Messiah and a blood atonement and how Jesus Christ was that atonement, was that Passover lamb, and how he was buried and rose again, defeating death and paying that penalty for her sin this wonderful Jewish woman knew her need for the Messiah and a blood atonement, and she received Jesus Christ as her Savior. She is being worked with, discipled, and is interested in coming to church and growing her relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're very excited about that, and that's just one precious soul on the third door that Allison knocked on with our Summer Blitz campaign. If you'd like to support this campaign in reaching the Jewish people with the gospel— You'll be supporting this radio program, Friendship with God, with your donation, but also Israel Restoration Ministries and getting the gospel to the Jewish people first. To donate, go online to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Donate online or call us now or after the program with your donation and support for this Bible teaching radio program and evangelical outreach ministry at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.